Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Uh, guys, how you doing? I'm Joe McCall with Gavin Timms. How you doing, Gavin? Good, Joe. How are you? Awesome. This is our deal evaluation coaching call. We did this two weeks ago, and uh, it was awesome. Such great feedback, and uh, we thought, let's do it again. We want to answer all your questions, and we want to help you evaluate your deals, okay? So what I'm hoping for right now is uh, we just sent out an email blast to my list, everybody saying, hey, come on over. This is a big party. We want to evaluate your deals. Maybe you've got a, a seller lead that uh, you got today, yesterday, a week ago, and maybe you just botched it all up, right? Like you talked to the seller <clears throat> and you felt like you just screwed it up and you said everything wrong. That's okay. We want to help you with that. So maybe some of you have a deal that you want us to evaluate. So what you need to do is we want you to type in, try to type it all into one comment so we don't have to like feed through five different comments to see that. Does that make sense? So if you can type into one comment, the address of the property and tell us as much as you can about the situation, about the seller. Was it a, um, did you, you know, what, if you know what they owe, what were they asking? What kind of repairs does the property need? So we find this to be really helpful for folks just to kind of like see, to teach how we look at deals, how we evaluate them. Let me just tell you something too here. Like, and Gavin, you can, maybe I've been talking enough. You can describe this of the, all of the deals that we did in 2018, which was a long time ago, actually, but yeah. the deals that we're doing now, like 90 to 95% of our deals come from follow-up, right? Yeah. So while people are typing in their questions, and they're deals they'd like us to evaluate and look at. And we're going to show you like what we would have said maybe to the sellers. Maybe Gavin and I will do a role play. Maybe we'll bring on one of you guys as a role play. But we'll show you kind of what we might have said to the seller, how we would make the offer, a cash offer, maybe an owner financing offer, at least purchase offer. Um, and we'll show you kind of what we send and how we do the follow-up and stuff like that. But Gavin, um, talk about uh, uh, the leads... 58, 60 of them that we've done in the last mm -hmm. 12 months or in 2018, whatever, when we looked at the numbers last, how many yeah. of them came from follow-up? Yeah, so we did like 58 deals, which 54 of them came from follow-up. So the key is, is that when we look at analyze the business, if we don't follow up, we only do four deals versus 58 deals, right? And, and I would say out of the 54 that we did on follow-up, obviously there was some interest there, but they all said no to start with because our close ratio is probably about three to four months on average. Sometimes it's two or three weeks. Sometimes it's over a year. Um, so that's all obviously always going to be uh, changing. And that's why it's so important to keep the, the marketing going consistently so that you are consistently closing deals from months ago. And I think that's where most people go wrong. They're so busy with what's coming in today, trying to close today that they're not following up. So that's why they can't, they just grab a deal here and grab a deal there, which is going to happen, but you can't turn it into a, you know, into a business. So you have to keep the pipeline full. And just remember, as the older the lead gets, the better the lead is. 
That's the Ooh. way that we look at it. The older the lead gets, the better the lead is. That's a um, that's really important. And sellers, you got to assume motivation. Sellers are really good at not being mo- like pretending they're not motivated, right? Um, they're not going to just open up and tell you on the first call, "Hey, listen, I'm super motivated. I got to sell this house today." That's just not going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, so you've got to just make the offer and follow up. You got to make the offer for the numbers that work for you. This is something that we see a lot where um, people uh, say, well, the seller wants, they're trying to make a lease option offer and the seller wants $25,000 down. What do I do? Well, have you made an offer yet? No. Well, why not? Like you, doesn't matter. Almost, it kind of does, but it almost doesn't matter what the seller wants. You know, of course, every seller wants full price for their house. They want all yeah. cash. They think it's worth way more than it is. They think it needs less repairs than it does. If you were to ask a seller, like, really, what do you want? Of course, they want to close in a week. They want all cash, full price. Of course they do, right? Who's going to say no to that? So th- that's why you got to make the offers for the numbers that work for you. And when you're making your offer, if it doesn't make you feel like uncomfortable and like, oh, man, this guy's going to hate me or I feel, feel sick to your stomach, like you'll get over that. But if you don't feel that uncom- discomfort, when you're making the offer, it's probably too high or your terms aren't right. So the great thing about what we do is we, when we're working with sellers is we don't care about the house. We just want to see what their situation is. What is their motivation? And because we can do lease options and owner financing and we can do creative deals, we don't even care how much equity is in the house, right? I don't care what they owe. I can make an offer that will work for them. As I can give them whatever price they want as long as they can give me the terms that I want. And if terms are more important to them, I can give them whatever terms they want if they can give me the price that I want. So when you understand creative real estate, creative financing, like lease options and owner financing, you're not just a one-trick pony that's only making cash offers. You can now make them offers that uh, you have multiple different ways you can make these deals work. So when you're talking to sellers and when you're making offers, it's important to be uh, flexible, not just have only a cash offer that you can give to them. Because now you've opened up, you're wide open now to so many more deals. Instead of getting one out of 20 or 30 offers accepted, you can get two or three out of 20 offers accepted because you're doing more creative stuff like lease options or owner financing. And Gavin has said this many times, and Gavin's done a lot of wholesaling deals. I've done a lot of lease option deals, but like some of the easiest deals to negotiate are these lease option assignments. Yeah. It's like, explain why, Gavin, real quick. Yeah, it's definitely the easiest uh, one to get a contract because especially with the positioning, because what you'll learn is when you start to do the assignments, you will position the other offers to make the assignment look better, okay? So if you, for instance, offer a sandwich lease option and the price is the problem, okay? Well, if you then transition into an assignment lease option, you're giving them then the price that they want, the rent that they want, you're often going to get the, get it signed. And here's the key. With a short offer form that we use, it's a non-exclusive agreement anyway. So because it says that, you need to use that to your advantage. Right. Tell the seller. One of my, my main things I used to say is, Mr. Seller, if someone knocks at your door with the cash tomorrow to buy this property, I want you to accept it, even if you sign this agreement today, because it's non-exclusive. Now, I know that's not going to happen, right? Because it's already probably sat there for three months. It's going to be there for six months. But when you do that, you have to 
without selling it, you don't, you tell the seller, why don't we work on it together? Let me see what I can do while you're doing your own thing, which you can continue to do, continue to market it, try and rent it, do whatever. And then when I, all of a sudden I'm ringing him saying, hey, I've got two people that want to see the property that want to do a rent to own. All of a sudden they stop doing their own marketing. And then they just focus on what I'm doing because you have to have good communication. One of the biggest things that we see is when someone right gets a short offer form signed, Joe, is that they don't talk to the seller for two weeks. Oh, yeah. No, and no. then they're doing all this work and then they call and go, oh, oh, no, I sold it last week. You know, you, you've got to keep the communication because they need to know that you're working that deal. And just from that, it, they're probably over trying to rent it. So they'll just stop doing their ads on Craigslist. They'll pull it off Zillow. They'll probably even give you the space because you're being more efficient than they are. Yes. Very good. Especially when you can offer on a sandwich, on a lease option assignment, it's a flexible option. So if they sell it before you do, you can, they can cancel the contract. Yeah. And the way I do my lease option assignments, they, the seller gets the final approval of whoever's in the house. Like it's a no brainer. There's no risk at all. And here's one more thing I'll say, and then we're going to go on to some questions here. One thing that's really important. If you have to try to convince the seller to do a lease option, uh, you're talking to the wrong seller. Okay. Yep. Like you shouldn't have to try to convince them or sell them on anything. You're just asking questions. You're just making offers and give them permission to say no. It's like so cool and relaxing when you can just say, listen, if this isn't going to work for you, that's totally fine. It's okay to say no. Um, I don't even know if this is a good deal for me yet, but I just wanted to ask you some questions and then just ask questions. Okay. Yeah. I want to say something too, real quick. Why are we doing this? Well, Gavin and I coach students all over the country, literally all over the world. We were just talking to two of our new clients from Israel yesterday, and we coach clients from all over the world how to do deals in the United States, and even we've coached people how to do deals in England before, So, and in Canada, any other countries. I've done deals from Prague, um, from Spain, from France, Hawaii, from Germany, Hawaii. That's not a country, though. Same well, thing. No, it's, not, <laughs> it feels it's, like on, it's on its own, isn't it? it? Yeah, it's way over there. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Whether yeah. you're doing a deal from Hawaii or a cafe in Prague or a beach in Barcelona, Spain, or an old chateau in, in southern France, doesn't matter. Gavin, you're going to um, England in a couple weeks, right? Next for week. Next yep. week for how yep. many weeks? For two weeks. Now, are you going to stop doing your marketing in Alabama? Absolutely are, are you, not. Everything's going to be running. Yes. <laughs> So we love working with folks who are either just getting started or maybe you've been doing deals and you want to grow and expand and automate and systemize your business. We've always said there's three keys to success in this business, marketing, automation, and delegation, okay? Marketing, automation, and delegation. So when we work with folks, we're going to help you set up the systems and the automation and the delegation and do the marketing. We're going to set up and do the marketing for you at the beginning. We're going to set up the systems and the automation. We're going to help you find the VAs. So if you're interested in working with us, nobody else has a better coaching program than we do. In my humble, honest, correct opinion, like we help people set up their systems, find their VAs, get their marketing. We get them leads. That's like the easiest part of this business getting those systems built, getting the leads coming in, and we'll coach you through all of that. We do with all the new students, the clients that come and work with us, we have a two-day workshop in St. Louis, just a small 10 to 12 people roll up our sleeves and start doing the work. And then we do follow-up masterminds in St. Louis. Um, and then we do weekly calls. We have You have access to Gavin and I on Voxer. You can ask us questions anytime. So if you're interested in that, 
No pressure at all. Just check out joemccall.com slash apply. Um, on that link, you're going to see some case study videos that we did. Some of the deals that we're doing right now, we tell you what we're doing and how we're doing those deals in Alabama. But we also interview three successful students and you can see what, excuse me, you can see what they're doing and how they're doing it as well. So go to joemccall.com slash apply. Okay, joemccall.com slash apply if you're interested in that. Now, we've got a bunch of questions here, and um, I just want to start going through them and uh, do our best to answer them. Some of them are really long, so I'm not sure if the comments will come in here. But this is from Chris. Any tips on how to evaluate or value properties in the country? How far out should we go on comps? Do you do deals with sellers wanting retail? Good question, Chris. How do we value properties? One of the first things that I like to look at is Redfin. Okay. Um, Redfin is free, but it's not in every part of the country. So where it is available, I like to, to look at it. So I'm looking for somebody that gave us an address. Ah, Sam gave us an address here of a property. And so let's actually look at this one to, and then we'll, we'll answer two questions in one. Okay. Six, six, four, one. I'm not even going to ask how to pronounce that. Cherry Moya. Fontana, California. All right, so I know Redfin is available in California, right? So I'm just going to type in that address, Cherry Moya, Fontana, California. Now, if you don't have Redfin in your area, that's fine. You can do the same thing on Zillow. Uh, one of my favorite resources is PropStream. If you go to PropStreamJoe.com, PropStreamJoe.com, it's a tool that lets you evaluate deals and um, get comps, get property detail records. And I'll show you uh, what you see in PropStream as well. So go to PropStreamJoe.com. Actually, this is such an important tool. I'm going to put it right there, PropStreamJoe. You see that? <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to log in to my PropStream account. I use this every day. And let's, uh, I'm just going to take this address, copy it, put it into PropStream, and show you what we PropStream gives us, okay? And, um, and then so I'm also going to show you what you can find on Zillow. So every market is different. Like you're going to find in some markets you, you get sold data. Some markets don't give you any of that. So it just kind of depends. But uh, here's a house. Let's say I want to estimate or kind of come up with a quick offer. Redfin's estimate is 285. Last sold price is 20 grand. Three bedroom, one bath, 825 square feet. I'm kind of curious to see where it is. So I'm going to open up this map here and just zoom out. So it's in probably, what is that, Riverside County or San Bernardino County? Maybe right there on the border. But it's near San Bernardino. And... Um, it's a, you know, it's a lower priced area, right? Okay. So one of the things I like to do when I'm here on Redfin is I pull up the address and I get this information. By the way, let me say this too. Um, uh, you know what? Maybe I should just open up my, I have a couple calculators that our students use and I'm going to open up two of them here. I have a seller financing calculator and a lease option calculator. And one of the things that I do in my lease options offer calculator is when I'm making a quick offer to the sellers, I just take the, and I'm not going to walk through this here because it takes a little too much time, 
I just take the averages of Zillow, Epraisal, Redfin, PropStream, maybe iComps, RealQuest Express. I just take those values that they give you, maybe Realtor.com. In fact, I would probably put Realtor.com here. Okay, and just average them. Or you can take the median because sometimes one is really high and one's really low. Like this one, Redfin on this property was 139 and Realtor.com was 101. So sometimes I'll just do the median, which kind of removes those outliers, right? And that's how I come up with my ARV. Super simple, fast, right? Just take the average of all of those. That's going to get you in the ballpark. That'll get you at least within 5 to 10% of what the real ARV is. But we don't want to spend... I'm already spending way too much time evaluating this property on Cherry Moya, right? You, you don't. Yeah. You should be able to like quickly go to through these things and and just make quick offers. So, let's look at this property here. This was last sold. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes what I do is I go to PropStream here, and I like PropStream because it shows me transaction history right here. This was last sold in 2004. Um, I can see the property details here. It's a three bedroom, one bath, 825 square feet. The estimated value they're saying is 191. There's not many comps out there. Um, they're estimating equity of about 80,000, 83,000. Zoom, zoom in a little bit. Oh yes. Maybe. Thanks. So here, if I go to uh, mortgage information, it tells me the last mortgage on the property was 2004. Again, this is PropStream. This is why I like PropStream because I can do this in any part of the country. And I can also download leads. I can download vacant properties, properties with liens, free and clear, high equity, bankruptcies, cash buyers, foreclosures, auctions, pre-foreclosures. I can download tons of these properties. So this one, there's a bank from, uh, there's a loan from 2004. I'm not sure if it's still there on the house. But if I go to transaction history, it probably is because the last transaction was was 2004. I can see that this Natalie Henderson owns it. Um, her mailing address is, is, is a, she's an absentee owner. I can see it's an individual owner, non-owner occupied here. So the question is, I want to make an offer. What's the property worth? One of the fastest ways to make a cash offer is just look at the last Solds. Now, I'm only seeing three here, so I might actually go out a mile distance, like in a radius, and still not that many. Okay. What I might do then here, what I like to do in Redfin, if you don't have PropStream, you can look at Redfin. If you scroll down on this property, you go to a map right here, and it says Map Nearby Homes for Sale. I click on that. And what this does is it puts that property right in the middle. And I'm going to zoom out just to see what other similar homes are currently listed for sale. I'm going to go here to sort, sort it by price from low to high. Let me zoom in one more time. Okay. And I can see there's a vacant lot here for sale for 174, 445, 478. Zoom out again because I want more. Now I've got 75 homes. And I'm actually going to go to more filters. And I only want houses. I just click houses, click apply filters. And these are, new, these are nicer uh, homes that have been fixed up, okay? I can tell by looking at the pictures, these are nicer looking homes, right? Now, well, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to go here to turn, I'm going to turn for sale off. I'm going to turn sold on. I'm going to go to last year. And there's a gazillion of them, right? But remember, that house we're looking at is right in the middle of that map. So I'm just going to zoom in. Oops, let me click apply filters. And I will say as well, 
this is my opinion that I'd try not guys to cross major highways or anything. Um, sure. You will start to learn the market yourself, but sometimes you can be in a completely different neighborhood. If you see like a million dollar house versus $200,000, um, yep. it's just a different subdivision. Yep. Okay. So I zoomed in here. Now I have nine properties. So I could zoom out if I want a little bit more. Zoom out. Now, again, this property, remember, it was super small. This was a 825 square foot property. So I could go here and I could go to more filters and I could say square feet. I would do 750 to 12, oops, 750 to 1250. So these are the smaller homes here. And again, I'm sorting this by price A to Z. So that's low to high. And I can see here, there's one the property that sold um, 245, 285, 299. And I'm okay. Like this is in the last year. Sometimes, you know, if you need more comps, you can go to six months or one year or whatever. I like to get as one year if I can. So when I'm talking to the seller, I can say, man, I see a property here that sold recently um, for 245,000, 285,000, 299. So what I do is when I'm making a quick cash offer, I'm just going to go in and I'm going to average the lowest three or four, depending on what you see is kind of like the grouping there. And you can do this by table as well. And uh, I'm going to average that and multiply it by 80% is what I like to do. Okay. So I'm just going to get my calculator out. And let's just take, I'm looking here at the grouping, you know, and I can see there's kind of grouping right in this area. And then these are probably houses that need fixing up. Um, so I'm going to do 245 plus 285 plus 299 plus 299. Hopefully I'm doing my math right. Divided by four. So the average was 282 times 0.8. So I'm going to offer 225,600. Now I'm assuming this property needs a lot of work. Okay. And, um, but by the way, first I'm going to find out what price the seller wants for it, right? I'm going to ask them at least five times, what's the least you'd take for this property? If they tell me the least they would take is $400,000, it's probably not going to work, right? I'm not even anywhere near the ballpark. The second thing though you want to do is after you're looking at this, if you're going to offer 225, that means you're going to sell it for maybe 240, right? You're going to try to sell it for 240. So what is your competition like in this area? And so what I like to do then is go here and I switch now to for sales. I click apply filters and I want to see what are other similar properties currently listed for right now. If I'm going to sell, um, these are still actives. Let me, oh, here we go. I turned sold off, apply filters, zoom out. There's very few homes in that size. It looks like here, right? Zoom out some more. Here we go. Here's seven homes sorted by price. So do you think if I sell my, if I'm going to buy it for 225 and I'm going to sell it for 240, 245, do you think I'm going to be able to sell it quickly? Yes. Why? Because look at my current active comps in that size, right? I'm going to sell that thing really crazy quickly. In fact, I might even be able to sell it for a 40 or $50,000 wholesale fee. And you all in California do that all the time. In fact, I'm going to have dinner tonight with Todd Toback because I'm flying to San Diego and that's his average wholesale fee on these deals, like 30, 40 grand. 
on average, like a minimum, he won't look at a deal if he's not going to make 30, 40 grand on it. Um, Okay. So if I'm making a cash offer, that's what I do. I either go to prop stream here. I'm going to sort this by, um, I'm going to look at my comps here. I might have to go out a little bit. Um, I might go to Redfin, but I want to look for the three or four lowest solds. I'm going to average them, multiply that by 80%. And that's my cash offer. If you're thinking, man, that seller's, the seller would never accept an offer for 225. You, you never know, guys. We're buying vacant land right now that's worth twenty dollars to $30,000 for $1,000. We're buying vacant land sometimes for 500 bucks, like yeah. in the middle of nowhere. So you just never know. You might think, well, like who on earth would sell? Like if you go to a garage sale, this is maybe a bad example. All right, let's say you go to a garage sale, right? And you see a treadmill that somebody paid uh, $1,500 for, right? And they're selling it for $25. You may think, what are they thinking? Why would-? Here's why. They're selling it for such a huge discount, right? They've used it twice. Every time this guy looks at it and walks by it, it reminds him of how fat he is and how out of shape he is, right? And his wife is ticked at him because... She, he's never used it. He wasted all that money on it. So she's always yelling at him. And like all it does now is collect clothes. It's like where you hang your clothes and all of that. And he's just like, I'm so sick of this thing. Or his wife is. And they just, next garage sale, they throw it out there and they sell it for 25 bucks. Like, but it, it works. It's a perfectly good treadmill. Why would somebody sell it for such a, so much cheaper than what they bought it for? Because they're motivated. Okay. Yeah. And you can only do deals with motivated sellers. So when it comes to making offers, make offers on the numbers that work for you, okay? Don't worry about what the seller, if they're going to get mad or get furious that you're offering such a ridiculously low price. And here's the great thing about knowing how to do lease options. Let's say that I offer them, what did I say? My memory's bad, uh, 225. And they're like, no way, I wouldn't sell that thing for less than 350. You say, well, you should probably just list it with a realtor then. Have you thought about that? Oh, I don't want to listen with a realtor because they're going to have to. Well, you can just f- clean it up a little bit. I, I, can, I can refer you to some agents. You're going to have to clean it up and fix it up and, you know, get ready to show it to a bunch of buyers, I'm sure. But, you know, if you want the best price, this is what I'd recommend. And here's the thing. It's a, it's a negotiating trick, but I'm also helping the seller get the best price possible for their house. So they can't come to me later and accuse me of, like, taking advantage of them. I said, no, I, I told you you should listen with a realtor. So anyway. Here's the thing. I said, well, I don't want to listen with the realtor. Well, what are you going to do if you can't sell this house, Mr. Seller? Are you going to rent it? I know you want $350, but what are you going to do if you can't sell it? Are you going to rent it out? If they say yes, boom, there you talk about a lease option. Well, what if I could get you, I don't know if this will work for me or not, but what if I could get you $350 for that house? Would you be willing to rent it to me for a year or two first, and then I'll buy it? That wouldn't work for you, would it? Bam, there you go, right into a lease option. Okay? Yep. Super simple, super easy. Cool. Awesome. All right. Gavin, why don't you, do you have anything to add to that while I look at the comments here? I want to make sure we answered the question. Yeah. Um, speed of the offers is important as well. So the more whack they are, like they want like this example you said earlier, 25,000 down, right? That's not going to work for us. So your speed of your offer should be as fast as you can get numbers on a piece of paper, like 30 seconds. The yeah. zest on Zillow work three offers out and send it because you're not even slightly close, right? You probably want to give him a month's rent at best. 
and he wants 25,000. So you've got to think, don't think about, well, how could I make this work? How could I get him 25,000 and make this work for me? Like, no, it's not going to work. Just make your offer and get on to the next call. Because remember, your time is important. He is stopping you making money, right? So you have got to get him off the phone. You can still be polite, make the offer, and then move on and follow back up. Because really he's just not, he's not realistic. Because the next person may want to sell. And if it's the same again, you go again. You only spend time with motivated people. Otherwise, get them off. Get them off That's the phone and on to the next. Gavin, do you have that slide that we do in our workshop of that example deal, real simple example deal? Yeah, is there a way you can you can send that to me? One of the things we do in our workshop, which is really fun, um, we show somebody an example deal, and I'll share it with you guys because this is such a great exercise. You know, when you're when you've got leads, you should be talking to five sellers a day, five sellers a day, right? And you got a bunch of leads coming in, you need to just make quick offers. You shouldn't be on the phone longer than three to five minutes. If they're ready to do business today, if they're motivated, then you can talk to them more. Otherwise, you're just going to talk to them. Make an offer and then follow up. You can spend more time with them if they're ready. But again, um, most of our deals come from the follow-up. So when you're on the phone with them, you want to get a number from them first. You want to find out what's their situation. What do they want to see happen? What's the least they'd sell it for? You ask those questions. You get a feel for where they're at. You know, Do they have to have cash? Can they wait for it if you can give them a better price? Um, so you want to learn how to quickly evaluate these deals. And like I told you before, just take Zillow and Realtor.com and Redfin and Epraisal and PropStream and RealQuest Express and get those values, just average them to get the quick ARV. You might rather, when the example I was just showing you, you might rather take the, the nicest properties that are sold. In fact, if I go back here to this while Gavin is sending that to me, I'm going to go back to the solds. I'm going to go back to the last six months. Okay, I'm going to click Apply Filters. And I'm going to do price high to low. And I might look at this and say, all right, well, I'm going to take the average of the highest ones. Let's just say 390. So I'm going to go to my calculator. I'm going to do 390. And this is the typical 70% Mayo formula. But I know in San Diego, in this area, in Southern California, I can do like 80% of ARV, right? So I'm going to do 390 times 0.8. And I know just, you know, it needs 50 grand. It's cosmetics and, you know, some repairs. It's going to cost, let's say, uh, 40 grand for repairs. I'm going to take the ARV times 80% minus 40 grand in repairs. And I want to make at least $20,000 assignment fee because I live in California and I can do that. So I'm going to offer, close to what I was doing before, 252. So take the average of the nicer homes times 70 to 80% minus repairs, minus your wholesale fee. That's another way you could make a quick cash offer like that. Did you find that, Gavin? Yeah, I sent it. Uh, I shared the Google Drive with you. So to In, your, uh, your normal email. Okay. Let me go there real quick because this is a good exercise for you guys. Um, second to last slide. Okay, cool. Uh, this is really, really cool here. Second to last slide. Let me... Open it with Google Slides, and I'm going to move it up here and share my screen with you all. We've got a ton of questions here. This is really good, guys. Keep your questions in. We're going to be answering them uh, as we go here. 
David is asking, are your are VAs trained and ready to go? What company? Is there a time zone problem? Uh, our VAs, yes, they're already trained. They already know how to use Mojo cells. When we do auto, we set you up with um, cold calling. And when we find our VAs, we actually post the job description. You must have Mojo cells experience. And we find VAs with auto dialer experience. Yep. And um, we usually, what we do for our clients is we find three of them. And we send them to the co- coaching client, and that client will interview them and hire one of them. And they work yep. with our team. We have a team of how many cold callers do we have right now in the Philippines? Uh, last I knew, it was about fifty. So we have we have fifty cold yeah. callers, and they, are they all in one office, or are they working yeah. from home? They're no. all in one office. Yep. Gavin, we have a, is managing that. We have a VA that manages all of them, which is so amazing. I'm just so awesome, impressed with that. And so we do not mark that up, by the way. We're not making. Oh yeah. Not like another business or anything. We don't mark that up. So you get you pay them directly yourself. And there's no markup on that cost. Yeah. Um, but they will do the cold calling for you. They'll pre-screen the leads just to do the initial pre-screening. Um, and if you want to, we can help you find and hire and train another VA to be more like a general admin data entry VA to update your CRM as well. Um, and there is no time zone problem, by the way. We tell them when they need to work. They need to work our hours. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I think the slides are open now. These are really big. Okay, here we go. I'm going to share my screen with you all again. So you've got three minutes, guys, to get an offer. All right. So um, here – oh, let me hide the, the questions here so you can see this. Okay. Can you see – I'm going to make this – Gavin, let me know if you can see this. Good. Can you see my screen yes, here? Yes, it's good. All right, now, here we go, guys. Look at this lead. This is a lead from a cold call in Ohio. You've got three minutes. I'm going to set my timer here. Set a timer for three minutes and 15 seconds. I can't set the timer for a specific time. <laughs> set a timer for three minutes and 15 seconds. Okay, three okay, minutes. Okay, here we go. So this is, a, this, is a, this is a cold call in Ohio. Um, You don't know anything about this house. You just know that it doesn't need major repairs, maybe carpet and paint. The seller says, just make me an offer. There's no pictures. It's a three-bedroom, one-bath, 1,500-square-foot. You've got three minutes. Here's your Zestimate, the rent Zestimate, and you just found three sold comps, okay? What is the ARV? What repairs are needed? What would be your cash offer? What would be a sandwich lease option offer be? And what would your wholesaling lease options offer be? You've got two minutes and 33 seconds. All right. Now, we will, Gavin and I will go through this with you next. All right. So, but you should know how to make an offer, three different offers, cash offer, sandwich offer, wholesale lease option. So, go through this, guys. Even if you can't get all the three of them, but give us quick. Your ARV, repairs, and your cash offer. At least do those three. Yeah. And try and put them in the the comments together so they're not like just random numbers everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Please do that. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're getting so many comments and feedback on here. It's just a little overwhelming. So put in there in one comment the ARV, the repairs, the cash offer. And then we'll show you what we will come up with. Here's the th- important thing to as so I'm talking because it's weird and awkward to not be talking. 
but you should be working. Just work while you're listening real quick. Um, here's the cool thing about this. Um, uh, once you learn how to do this, it's okay if you make a mistake. It's okay if you're off, if you're wrong, right? Yep. Worst case, you're way off and you, you get it under contract. Well, you have to go back and after you advertise it for a week or two and you can't find a buyer or it's not getting any interest, you go back to the seller and you either renegotiate a lower price or you cancel the contract, right? Because you have this contingency in the contracts. Best case, you way underestimate it and you make $30,000 wholesale fee instead of 5000 Okay, so don't be afraid to make offers. The purpose of this exercise, and I can't, I don't know what happened to my timer, but uh, let me open it here. You've got, you've got less than a minute left, but the, the cool thing about this exercise, I should have done the timer on my, here it is. Yeah, the, the, the good thing is when you make, if you do make the wrong offer, you always have to learn from it, right? You have to find the why it didn't work because that's the fastest way of learning the market and learning where you went wrong. Because in any offer, it's just, especially these offers, it's not even a contract you're sending out. It's just a letter of intent, right? Yes. So it's not like you're in a binding contract all of a sudden and in a mess. Uh, it's nothing like that. But you're going to find out like, okay, we did get a cash offer signed and we go to a buyer and we're 10, 15,000 over, then you know that you need to renegotiate. But guess what? The next time you do it, you know where you need to be, right? Yeah. So when you network in this business, you always have to say, well, why are you, if, if the seller only wants to give you 100,000 and you're at 120, well, why? Why does he only want to give you that? And let him teach you on why. The buyer will tell you, well, it's because of the repairs or, you only said it needed X and it really needs this. So you will be able to learn as you go. Yes, very good. All right, so timer's up, all right? Now, what do you guys have? I'm going to go here to the comments. Let's look at your com – there are so many comments in here. You guys are awesome. I think I might crash the system. I can't see him, by the way, so I can't uh, help you out. Okay. So Phil says 194000 ARV maybe, repairs – uh, six thousand cash offer, one hundred and thirty thousand. Cool, Danny, cash one hundred and three thousand. Sandwich lease option one hundred and forty thousand. Letter of lease option assignment one ninety. Cool, uh, Daryl, one hundred eighty eight ARV repairs forty five hundred cash one thirty five. Good simple lease option. Sandwich lease options one seventy. Fifteen hundred a month in rent twelve fifty to the seller. Good, WLO. I think Daryl knows what he's doing here. <laughs> Love that. Okay. Th by the way, there is no right answer. It's like yeah. whatever makes you the most money is maybe the best answer, but this is all awesome. I love this. Steve, ARV 194, repairs 7500, cash offer 112. Um, I wish my assistant was on this because she could like track these numbers and show, put, we can put it on the spreadsheet to see what you Lost guys all came up with. Brad, um, oh, am I, I can see you, Gavin. Can you hear me? Yeah, you just froze for a minute. You're back now. Okay. Uh, Danny says ARV 180. Uh, Judy, ARV 194. We're getting a lot of those 194s. Repairs five grand. Cash offer 135. Roosevelt, Roosevelt. There we go, 194. Juliet, ARV 161. Repairs 1,200. Rent 1,300. Cedric, 193. Very cool. 
rehab and high heels. Um, I hope you're a lady. I hope it's a lady. It's not a guy. Um, not that that, well, okay. I'll just shut up. Yeah. 194 yeah. repair cost 30 K cash. 103. Uh, Juliet cash 91. Oh, listen, Julie, is there an application for working with you? Um, yes. Go to joemccall.com slash apply. joemccall.com slash apply. And we'll talk about the cost on the phone. But listen, it's cheaper than any other program out there that does what we do. Way cheaper. About a third of the cost. And we refund you the coaching feedback if you partner with us on the first two deals. Okay, so let's go back to these comments. Um, Okay, yes, rehab and high heels. Yes, I am. She's a she's a lady. That's good. Not that it matters. <laughs> okay, uh, Juliet, twelve grand. I meant for repairs. Uh, Christy, thank you. Appreciate that. Okay, so let's do. Um, what would you do, Gavin? Let's talk about this. So the way that I'd work it out, well, firstly, I'd pick, I'd pick up that it's in Ohio, right? So I'm not in California. Um, so I would do, I'd, I'd make a note that it is in Ohio. So I'd be looking in my head thinking about 65, 70% on the dollar. So then I'd take the average of the sold comps, which is, I think, around probably about one nine. I've got my calculator, about one nine four, one nine three. Yeah. Uh, once I've got that, now I know, Joe, you would say, and this is where it, it comes different, right? This is why we've just seen on the screen anything from, uh, what, 112 cash to 138,000 cash um, because of how you're going to work this out. Now, for me, I would take it about 70% off. I'd work my repairs. It needs um, maybe carpet and paint, which means it does. I'd probably do about $10, $10 a square foot. Okay, um, 7,500 in repairs. And then um, I do my 70% less that. And then I want to make a fee of at least $10,000. Now, if you're new, I would start up 10,000, but you really yeah. want to get into going as big as possible, yeah. right? And this is where on this deal, because I'm just making an offer, I'd go for $10,000, okay? But if I was going to, if I knew there's more motivation, I could get prices out. I'm not just going to cut myself short. I want to make that spread as big as possible. But for this, I would then take 10,000 off and that would be my offer. So I haven't got my calculator, Joe, but Good. 194, that's how I would do it. And then on the sandwich lease option, without any calculators, I just do 15% um, or 85% of the value of 194. Um, minus any repairs that I could take off. That would be my sandwich lease option. And then my wholesale lease option, I'd give them 194. Um, and then I'd give them full asking rent of 1200. And with my sandwich lease option, I'd probably give them about eight to 900 in a sandwich lease option for rent. Yep. Cool. Let me show you quickly what I would do. I like calculators because I'm a nerd. And I would go here, ARV. I'm just going to go with Zillow. Okay. For my cash offer, I'm going to do 70%, um, 1,500 square foot. I'm going to do $5 a square foot for repairs. I want to make at least 10 grand. So my cash offer would be 115500 The market rent on this thing is 1200 So my sandwich lease option offer, I would offer them 85% of that. So I'd offer them $154,000 on a sandwich lease option. 900 a month in rent is what I would pay the seller. 
So I, I want to keep at least 25% of the rent for cash flow. Okay. Yep. And I would I'd put $1,000 down, which comes from the tenant buyer. It doesn't come from me. And I would do five years. And then I talk to the seller and the seller wants, uh, he just says, make an offer. Well, you know, let's say I've, I get from him, the lowest he would take would be 180. Okay. So that's my wholesaling lease option offer right there. So I'd give him three options. Now, if he was kind of a warm to hot lead, it doesn't sound like he is because he's not really, he hasn't given us a number looking at the notes here. He just says, just make an offer. So he's probably a cold lead. Um, I might send him uh, a three option letter of intent. If I can't get a cash offer out of him on the phone, like what's the least he would take, I might just send him a three option letter of intent. Uh $115,500 for cash. Uh, 154 as a sandwich lease option and 180 as a lease option assignment. Yeah. Okay. And I will, I will say something uh, real quick on the assignment in this one, Joe's got 180. Now I said 194, right? So you've got two things here. If Joe gets it 180, it's going to move. The deal will move a lot better for Joe than it will for me, but I might have more chance of getting it signed over Joe. So what I need to do is I'm going to extend my term longer than Joe. He did two years at 180. I might have to do, three or four years at 194 yeah. when I add my, my money on. So that's where you can play with the terms and the price. Oh, that's the beautiful thing about this too. Because let's just say, if I zoom in here, you know, the seller likes the idea of the sandwich lease option because, you know, you're going to be the tenant buyer. You're going to take care of the maintenance and repairs. And you're passing that responsibility on to the tenant buyer. But like, you're going to stay in the middle of this deal. And there's three profit centers and sandwich lease options, cash now, cash flow, and cash later, Right. So the seller says, 154, I can't do that. I, the least I could sell it for would be 175. Well, geez, I don't know if I could do that. But what if I could get you 195? Could you be willing to negotiate on the rent? Like, I'm not going to give the seller anything unless they give me something, right? So the cool thing about lease options is if they're stuck on price, well, there's two or three other things that you can negotiate. You can negotiate a lower rent, maybe a longer term. Instead of five years, maybe 10 years, you could also do rent credits or like you can say, all right, well, I'll, I'll give you 175 and I'll pay you 900 a month in rent, but you need to give me, what if you gave me a $900 a month rent credit for the first five years? So, and I only get that if I pay the rent on time. So if the rent is a second late, then I don't get the rent credit that month, right? So you could offer, I could give them the price if they give me a lower rent or a rent credit, or longer terms? What if they say, I can't wait five years. I've, I, I've got to do, I can't, I don't want to wait longer than two years. Well, you could say, well, all right, I can maybe do two years if we could set the option price at um, 145. Could we do that? Or 140. So if you got to find out what's more important to the seller, price or terms, yeah. all right? And um, then you, that's the great thing about this because you can negotiate. If you're just making a cash offer, there's really only one thing you, ne- you can negotiate and that's price. Yeah. And then you'd be like, I can't sell it for 115. I owe 135, you know? So what do you do? You, people just throw that lead away. But if you know how to do lease options or owner financing, you could negotiate so many more things, right? That's a really powerful thing with this. So the whole point of this exercise that we did with this slide that we show you is we just want you to start thinking of like make offers make offers here's the thing this is the secret to success in real estate okay your speed to income in this business is directly proportional to the number of offers 
that you make. Write that down. Your speed to income is directly proportional to the number of offers that you make. What does that mean? Well, if you want to make a lot of money, you got to make a lot of offers. That's one of the things we do with our clients. It's like, hey, listen, if you want to make money in this business, make offers. It's like working backwards. If you want to do deals, well, you got to, you got to, you got to make offers. If you want to make offers, you got to talk to sellers. If you want to talk to sellers, you got to have, you got to do the marketing. So we give all of our coaching clients a scorecard, and not all of them do it, but the, the some of them report on their numbers every week. We want to see their scorecard every week and we want to see, all right, how many sellers did you talk to in the last week? How many offers did you make? And if you're struggling, I almost can guarantee you're struggling yeah. because you're not making enough offers. You're, you're overanalyzing things. You're spending too much time dinking around with the stupid spreadsheet, farting behind the computer in Podio or REI Simple, and you're not talking to enough sellers. You're not making enough offers. Right, Gavin? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to give a shout out to Jason Perez, one of our coaching students. Um, he's been with us about two weeks. He has voxed me every single day, Monday to Friday, and told me how many offers he's made. And it's either been four, five, or six. Yesterday, he voxed me, just got one wholesale deal under contract, and he should have a lease option today within two weeks. All right? Just because... And then- <laughs> Just Tom Carl Tom Carl sent that to me. <laughs> just because though of the numbers, so he just gets it right. And then I've spoke to other clients this week that's only spoke to three sellers last week. And why are we not getting contracts? You know, it's just you've got to keep the volume. If the lead volume's not there, and you're not talking to sellers and making the offers. You, you're not going to get business done. You know, and it's just yeah. proven every time that. When you are accountable to that scorecard, it's so much easier to coach someone that's actually do like Jason did that for a whole month and didn't get a contract. Then we could say, well, is it the offers you're making? Is it the way you are on the phone? We can adapt. We can work with something rather than, well, I've done nothing. Well, that's why it's not working. So what do you do at that point? You know, so just make sure, guys, you just get in the offers out. If you want to work with us, by the way, and you want us to you want some accountability you want someone to help you with your scorecard and evaluate your the, what you're doing, help you grow and excel and do more deals. You just want somebody like to kick you in the butt, maybe politely. Go to joemccall.com slash apply. And on there is some information about how to work with us. We give you some case study videos and some interviews with some of our students. But um, we do that with everybody. We want to, we want you to be accountable to the numbers. You know, I heard somebody, I think it was Mark Evans, say data, not drama, okay? If you don't know the numbers and you don't have a real business, guys, if you don't know the numbers, you don't have a real business. So you've got to know the numbers. How many sellers do you, because like you can't break down, if you want to make 10 grand a month, you can't control that, right? You can't, but you can work backwards from there. You say, all right, well, I want to make 10 grand a month. So that's, if my average profit is $5,000 per deal, I got to do two deals a month. Well, you can't control that either, right? Well, you can say, all right, if I want to do two deals a month and I need an average of 40 leads to do a deal, I need 80 leads a month. Let's just make that 100. I need to get 100 seller leads a month. Well, you can't control that either, right? So then you work backwards from there. All right, well, if I want, you know, 50% of my leads come from direct mail, I need to get 50 leads from direct mail. And if I get 1% response rate, I need to send out 5,000 letters a month. And if 50, my other 50% comes from cold calling, then I need to do 
uh, you know, three hours of cold calling a day. I need to put out a hundred bandit signs a weekend, or I need to send uh, 50 text messages a day to Zillow Craigslist or whatever, right? You break that down into goals you can control, and then you put that in your scorecard. So it could be as simple. It doesn't have to be complicated, but it's as simple as, all right, I need to send out 50 text messages a day. And you can do that super easily, by the way, in REI Simple. I want to send out 50 text messages a day to Zillow for sale by owner and rent. And then I need to go to Facebook Marketplace and contact 20 people a day. And I need to send 30 yellow letters a day to evictions, uh, delinquent taxes, some small specialty list, right? Like if you can get a list of people that have had their utilities turned off. Every day, you're going to send 20 to 30 yellow letters to sellers in your area. Um, what else could you do? You could do some uh, maybe uh, two hours every week of driving for dollars and you find vacant homes and whatnot, right? You put that in a scorecard and then you start tracking which of those marketing channels are giving you the, the your leads. What is your average cost per lead, right? Then you start tracking what's working, what's not, and you know every day your, your goal is to talk to five sellers a day. So you're looking at that. It's got to be in a score. It could be on a napkin. It could be in a spreadsheet. But that's what we help our clients with is figuring out what do you need to do every day if you want to make 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand a month. We're yeah. not promising anything, but like it's not that hard. It's really yeah. not that hard. So let's go to some questions here. This is from Kay. Um, hey, Joe, I know you don't typically recommend going after lease options over the median price. Um, but I have a seller that would like to, me to do a wholesale lease option on a home for $662,000. Can you evaluate the deal if I provide the address? Uh, yes, we can. But let me just say this. Uh, when it comes to uh, – typically, you want to stay in the median price range when you're doing lease options. But it's okay if you go above it. I don't recommend going below it. Right? You don't want to do lease options on junker properties. That's a recipe for disaster. But on the higher end homes, certainly, yeah. Here's the cool thing about the way we do lease options, right? You're not obligating yourself to do anything or make any payments until you find a tenant buyer for that house, right? So it may take you six months. That's fine. Not a big deal. The seller is still advertising it on their own or with the realtor or for sale by owner. So I'm going to go ahead and get it under contract, market the property, market the contract as a lease option. If I find a tenant buyer, great in that price range, right? And by the way, 662 might be the median price range in San Francisco or California or DC. But, you know, most markets around the country, that's higher end. Just know this, the pool of buyers are smaller in that upper high end. But if yeah. you find one, great. You're going to make 20, 30 grand assignment fee most likely on some of those deals. So I would still do a lease option on a higher end property. Um, just expect that it might take longer and I would give the seller some realistic expectations. I don't know if I can find a good tenant buyer in this price range because it's just above, you know, that far above. Okay. Yeah. And um, also just on that, don't make sure that you're not just focusing on that one property because it is going to take you longer. You need to keep talking to sellers to get more contracts in, right? You always should want three, four, five contracts rolling at once. And if they're in the same area, what you'll find is when tenant buyers are looking at one that doesn't work for, you'll move it to one of the other properties that you have. Um, and with the high end, I see this sometimes is that people just like wait around and all they do is market that one for six, seven, eight weeks. And, it, and like Joe said, the pool of buyers are a lot smaller. So just be prepared to get your ads out and then let that run, move on and get another contract. 
this is really important too with lease options. Um, it's like a garage, unlike uh, it's like a used car sales lot. Okay, you know you're driving down the freeway and you see a used car sale lot over on the side. Guess what? It's got a lot of cars in there, lots of lights shining. But if you're like driving down and you see a used car lot with only like one or two cars in it, you know that's kind of weird, and you're just not going to pay much attention. So sometimes it's the same when you've got um, only just a few properties that you're advertising, you're not going to get a ton of traffic. But the more properties you get, then the more traffic you're going to get to your website, right, as you start marketing homes. So, so when you're just getting started, you know, sometimes I leave my properties on my website as still showing as active because I want people to think I have a ton of inventory. I want them to start calling me and joining my buyers list. And then when I'm talking to them, I say, yeah, I'm sorry, it's not available anymore. Um, but tell me what you're look what are what are you looking for? We've got these one or two other properties that might might be of interest to you. Do you understand? Yeah. So think of it as like a used car lot. Try to get as many houses on there as you can. Now, technically, you can't do this, but I did when I was first getting started. I would find other investors that were advertising properties, and I would put their properties on my website. Um, so that gets a little tricky with brokering or whatever. So I'm not saying you should do that, but you can maybe. Okay, so this is Sam. He gave us that property on Cherimoya, and he said here, I didn't see this, the seller's asking 270. We calculated an offer of like 225. Um, so it's just not, not that much difference, right? Um, They're asking too much for a straight wholesale deal. I agree, Sam. But I'm curious if this would work as a lease option deal. Maybe. So this, if you remember the property, it was only like 850, 900 square feet, right? Um, it looked like it was run down. It needed a lot of work. You can do lease options on junker properties, okay? Um, and I've done several of them, lots of them actually. And they are amazing because you get a lot of buyers. You need to advertise it as a handyman special lease option. And so you got to make sure there's a lot of equity in the deal and the rent needs to be about 75, 80% of the market rents. So I would do a lease option on this property. I would make sure the seller gives me plenty of time, at least five years. And I would want, the, if the market rents are 1500 I would want that rent to, I want to I advertise it for like 1200 or 1300 a month in rent, okay? And I want to make sure if like, if it's worth, let's say it's worth 350 fixed up, I want to make sure that there's a lot of equity. So even after the tenant buyer comes in and fixes it up themselves, there's still a lot of equity in that deal. So every time I've done a handyman special, I've gotten tons and tons of interest in it. Um, those are very good deals. And so you just advertise it as a handyman special. We have a student, Marty, who uh, did a deal in a small town area. It needed about, um, I don't remember the numbers. It was in a small town. The seller was stuck on their price. And, the, and Marty said, well, if I can get you that price, can you do a lease option? The seller said, yeah, great. So the seller, um, Marty, found a tenant buyer within a day who is a handyman, electrical contractor who can fix up the house themselves. But the seller was stuck on her price. So Marty negotiated with the seller to keep 100% of the rent for the first two years. And then after the next three years, she keeps 50% of the rent. Seller yeah. said, fine, that's great. So yeah. Marty now has a tenant buyer in that house that's fixing it up on their own dime. There's not a ton of equity in it, excuse me. But Marty is keeping 100% of the rent for the first two years. That's about 900 bucks a month. So she's making almost $10,000 a year. Um, for the And then she's making $20,000 in cash flow the first two years. And then after that, she's making $450 a month, which is what, like $6,000 a 
um, a year in cash flow for the next three years. So just on the cash flow alone, um, and there was a little bit of equity. She's making about $58,000 profit on this deal. $58,000 profit on a deal where the price was too high. The seller was mo motivated, but didn't want to sell it for less than that price on a lease option in a small town with a property that needed a ton of work. And she's not doing any of the work herself. She's got a tenant buyer that's fixing it up. So that's that's an example. Those kinds of deals, there's a ton of them out there. That's one of the best I've seen. It's awesome. Good negotiation. Oh, yeah. This is Max. And if we go like this, you can't really see us. But Hi, guys. I'm still confused with the contracts. Please help. The seller and investor sign the lease and option, and then the tenant buyer signs the assignment agreement. And the option deposit tenant buyer should give to the seller or the investor. Okay, I'll do my best to answer this real quick. Just, you know, a regular wholesaling deal, right? You sign a contract A to B with the seller, and then you sell that contract to an investor. That's the B to C. And you, you sell that contract or you assign it to that investor for a fee. It's the same thing with a lease option assignment. You get a property under contract with the seller as you're the tenant buyer. All right. You have a contract to lease it for a couple of years. When you find, then I'm going to turn around and I'm going to advertise that contract to a tenant buyer. I'm going to get a, a tenant buyer and I'm going to then, after I, I'm going to mark the price up a little bit. I don't want to get too technical here. I'm going to bump the price up a little bit. And then when I find a good tenant buyer, I'm going to sign some new paperwork with the seller, a separate lease and an option agreement. And I'm going to assign those agreements to the tenant buyer. And then I'm going to be done and out of the deal. I want to make sure the tenant buyer makes out their option deposit check to an escrow company. And the other thing is um, on a sandwich lease option deal, on a sandwich lease option deal, I'm going to sign a contract with the seller and then I'm going to assign, sign a new contract with the tenant buyer and I'm going to stay in the middle. So I have a contract with the seller at a lower price and a lower rent and I'm going to sell it to a tenant buyer for a higher price and a higher rent for three, four, five years and I'm going to stay in the middle. That's how the contracts work. Hope that makes sense. Um, yeah. This is from Connor. I have a seller who has agreed on $5,000 for option deposit but doesn't want to, to credit the whole five grand towards the purchase price. She only wants to credit three grand. Could this still work? I don't know, Connor. I mean, like I'm, if you're offering to pay the seller five grand as an option deposit, I think that's too much. Unless it's like a really nice expensive house. I don't try to typically offer more than a thousand because when I put my tenant buyer in there, I'm probably only, only going to collect five to 10 grand from the tenant buyer. So where is that five grand coming from? So it's got to be, if you're going to pay that much, it's got to be like, there's got to be some really good equity and some good cash flow on that. Or I might just pass yeah. on. The seller's not motivated and ready to do a deal yet. Okay, so we've got another example. I don't know if this is going to show up. <laughs> you can't even see us on there. Um, let me just write this address down real quick. 2761 Gibson Street. Lake Station. Lake Station 46405. All right, so... Um, Indiana. I have another. I'm looking for a wholesale, maybe seller finance. Here is the address. It's a little outdated. Will be a rental. Okay. So let's look at this, Duanel. So first thing I want to do is go to PropStream, PropStreamJoe.com. I'm going to type in that address here. 2761 Gibson Street. There it is. 
I'm just going to zoom out to see where this is so you all can see it. So it's up by the Chicago area, South Bend, Portage. Is this considered a suburb of Chicago or is it just Gary, Indiana? Anyway, regardless, I'll click on details here. So this is a property. It's owned by an individual that says it's vacant. It is, uh, it's an owner-occupied property. That's interesting, isn't it? Two beds, one bath, 1,000 square feet. Um, by the way, two bedrooms scare a lot of investors, but I know some rental landlords that love two bedrooms and they only buy two bedrooms. You know why? Because typically in a two bedroom house, you're not going to get a bunch of kids. You're going to get somebody that's either really young and they work a lot. So they're not there at home hardly ever, or you're going to get an elderly couple or an elderly person and they stay for long-term, long-term. So you get less maintenance. Uh, with a two-bedroom, and the rents are very similar for a two- to three-bedroom. Uh, the price is a lot cheaper, but rents are similar, so the ROI is potentially a lot better on a two-bedroom. Just a little tidbit there. I didn't know that until I started talking to some of my buyers, and I found one guy who's like, I only want two bedrooms because they're so much easier to maintain and manage, and my ROIs are way better on them, and nobody else wants them, so I can get them for so much cheaper, et cetera, et cetera. So let's just look at transaction history here. This lady bought it back in 2008. Um, there's a uh, mortgage. There was a mortgage from 2008 for 25 grand. Cool. Um, property details again. It's a uh, it's a small little house. You get a bunch of assessment information, prior sale information. You can, this, this is why I love PropStream. It's just to get so much good stuff in here. Now let's look at comps. These are comps within a half mile. There's 14 properties. I'm going to sort this by sale amount. And what I typically do when I'm looking at this again is I'm just looking at, I'm going to ignore the outliers, right? And I'm just looking at the three lowest. I'm going to average them. If I'm going to make a quick cash offer. I can tell you this too. I'm not going to make a. I'm not going to do a lease option on this, right? Um, PropStream said they they're estimating that it's worth uh, seventy eight thousand. So it's kind of outside my comfort zone for lease options. I'm going to take forty nine thousand plus fifty one thousand plus fifty six thousand three hundred divided by three times 0.8. I'm going to offer forty thousand five hundred. Now, maybe. What I want to do next is I want to see, well, okay, if I offer $40,500, i am going to try to sell it for $50,000. What's my competition like in this neighborhood? Are there other properties that are similar that are currently listed for sale, right, um, that are going to be in that price range? So I'm just going to copy this. I want to see what Zillow is showing me right now. Let me just go to Zillow. Type that property in. This estimate is sixty-nine thousand. So I'm gonna. If I close this, Zillow, that property is right in the middle of that map. Okay. So now I'm going to go to my filters here. I'm gonna do for sale. I'm gonna remove my price ranges filters here. I'm just gonna say any bedrooms, and I want only houses. And now I'm gonna just zoom out a little bit. There's only one property for sale right now. Zoom out again. All right, so now I have five results. I'm going to sort this by low to high. So again, if I offer 
40,000. I'm going to try to sell it for 50. Look at my list. I don't know if that's going to work. Here's a property that's trying, they're trying to sell for 32. Here's a property that they're trying to sell for 42. And that has been on Zillow for 75, 210 days, 54. And they just cut the price a month ago. So I'm looking at this thinking, well, I better offer a lot less than 40, right? Because I want my property to be the lowest, cheapest property in this area. I could zoom out again. Okay, here's a house for 30. Now, yeah, these need work, but you know what? This property doesn't need that much work. And I better make sure that it, it's nice. If I'm going to sell it for 30, it's better. it better be nicer than this property is, right? So just real quick, I'm going to offer 20. Because if I yeah. can offer 20, I can sell it for 30 probably pretty quickly. That's it. Bam. I don't care about repairs, do I? Nope, I don't. I don't care about repairs. I'm, I'm expecting that it's going to need a lot of work just because from the area I know in this area. So I'm just expecting it to need a lot of work. Here's the cool thing. What if 20 grand is too high and you can't sell it for 30? I can't even sell it for 25. That's okay. I can go back to the seller, renegotiate a lower price or cancel the contract. Yeah. By the way, sometimes you can get good solds from Zillow as well. If you go here to more, actually go to, I'm just going to click sold right here. Now I'm going to go to more. I'm going to say sold in the last six months. Click done. And here you can see there's some more 500. So sometimes you can get good solds comps from uh, Zillow. Sometimes you can't. Um, cool. All right. Is that helpful? That's good. Easy peasy. Let's do one more from Roosevelt. Seven, three, one, Olney Drive, seven, eight, two, oh, nine. Seller wants 110. New roof, foundation lifted. Sellers or rehabbers fixing up to rent out until 2017. Had a number of family tragedies. They want cash only. Good. Propstreamjoe.com. Did I mention that before? San Antonio. Love San Antonio. Good market. All right. So I'm going to click details. So they want 110. All right. We can go to transaction. Well, let's just look at this here. This is a two bedroom again. One bath, 1,000 square feet built in 1953. It's non-owner occupied and it's owned by an individual, not an LLC. So um, it's interesting here. You see the mailing address is 730 only and the property address is 731. So it looks like the owner lives next door. Um, you can see all the detail information here about the property. We go to transaction history. So it was last sold for 93,000 on a gift deed. That's interesting. You can also see here, there's some kind of divorce that happened about the same time. Um, so the last sold was 93 or something. If I go to mortgage, there is a mortgage on it for $75,000. And for some reason though, PropStream is saying there's no mortgage balance. And that might be because the last sold. Yeah, so I don't know, I don't understand that. Um, let's look at comps right here. Sometimes there's pictures too, by the way. You can see these are be pictures typically from older uh, MLS listings. So this property needs a lot of work. I'm I'm guessing, but but the the roof was replaced recently. Let's go to yeah, let's go to comps. 
sort it by sale price. And this is good. I see some down. I see some numbers here that are kind of grouped in, you know, a, a good similar, a good chunk. And you can see the, the comps here. So I'm going to make a cash offer. They want 110. Let's see if that number works. I'm going to take a calculator. 97,500 plus 106,900 plus 119,400 equals divided by three times 0.8. I'm going to offer 86. Is that right? Yeah. 86,350 is what I'm going to offer. Now, let's say you do offer 110. Well, let's look at what this property would probably is. Let's see if like that might even work. Let's go here to the Zillow. Type in the address. They're saying it's worth 132. Okay, so those pictures came from Zillow. It's interesting, right? Uh, I'm going to close this because now the property is in the middle of that map. And I'm going to... Um, Go here to look at solds. I mean for sales. I want for sales. And I want to remove the reset all filters. Okay. And I only want for sales. And I'm going to zoom out because that property is still in the middle. And I have three properties here. Zoom out again. Now I got some more. And I'm going to sort this from price low to high. Oh, look at this. Here's a property for sale right now for 120,000. That looks like it's doesn't need any work. This is a nice house. Okay. And what you'll find is as well when people when they don't put the pictures on, right? Normally they will yeah. they will show their best pictures. So if you've got none in the inside, you can pretty much bank on that it's not going to be in a good condition. Yeah. So this, you know, I can tell you 110 is going to be too high. Because then I'm going to have to sell it for 120 and I'm competing against this house. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, he's, I think they said he's, it was a rental and they're just, you know, so there's probably got a tenant in there that, you know, didn't take care of the property. So it, it needs at least 10, 15 grand in work, right? So I'd make a cash offer for 86. By the way, I know he said the seller said they don't, they only want cash. I'd still offer lease option, right? What if he, um, what if the, so I'm going back here. Yeah, here's the comment. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo, the, so it, it's probably been rented out or I don't know what's going on, but like they say they want 110. What they say and what they'll take are hardly ever the same. Yeah. They may not be motivated now. They may not take your cash offer now but they will later. So I might say um, I could maybe get you 110 if you were willing to rent it to me for about a year or two and then sell it. That wouldn't work for you probably, or would it? Yeah. You should probably just list it with a realtor. Have you thought about that? Sounds like a nice house. Why would you even want to sell it? Well, that's probably how he found out that he had some family tragedies there, right? But like, sounds like a nice house. Why haven't you sold it yet? What's going on? That's a good price. Why haven't you sold it yet? <laughs> See what I'm doing? I'm just asking questions and to find out, ah, you know what? So, boy, what's the least? Realize, you need to make them realize that they're not being realistic. This thing, and that's okay to tell them. Like, Lummi, so I can't, I don't mm -hmm. want to embarrass myself. Um, I'm going to offer way less than 110, so I'm not even going to 
you know, waste your time. And then I don't say anything. And what's he going to say? Is he going to let me off that phone without saying, well, what would you pay? And then I'm going to go again. Honestly, no, it's going to be way less than 110. What's selling in the market? I think you're retail. I just can't make it work. I, I just know this is going to work for you. And then he's going to go again. Well, what is it? What is it? Tell me the yeah. price. So when I say 60,000, I've got him in a calm state that he's not going to, you know, bite my head off. And then the transition is I go super low. So let's say I wanted at 80. I go to 60. And then he'll go, no, that's ridiculous. I can't do that. I go, well, all right, how close are we? And then I want him to come to me and go, well, I might be able to do 90. And then the negotiation starts. And you can start then coming in together to get the price that you want. Exactly. Yeah. That's so simple. So I'm going down here through more comments. This is Brooks. I have a lease option deal on a five-year term. I have four months of no rent. I needs very little work to list on the market. Can I list it on the MLS with just the option to purchase? So Brooks, I'm not sure I understand. So it's been vacant for four months. You've not been able to find a tenant. If that's the case, there's usually only one. There's two reasons for that. Number one, it's overpriced. Nine times out of 10, that's the problem. Or number two, you're not marketing it in the right places. Craigslist for sale by owner and for rent. Zillow for sale by owner or, or well, for rent if you can, right? Um, Facebook Marketplace and signs. You got to put signs in the yard, especially if it's a sandwich lease option deal. You know, you should be putting five signs in the yard and put yeah. 20 signs out in the neighborhood every single weekend. And if those things aren't working, then it's probably overpriced and you need to think about lowering the rent. Um, now, can you list it on the MLS? If you can find a good broker, that will let you do like a flat fee listing. It depends on the state. Some states like in Florida, it's really easy to do, to, to advertise a property on the MLS by owner by contract, right? This is Andre. I'm doing a rent to own on one side of my duplex. I live on the one side. Is the option fee taken off the sale price? Or is the option fee? Here's a, I don't know how your con duplex is set up, but like if you're doing a rent to own, Oh, so you're, oh. you're buying it rent to own from the seller or are you, do you own it and you're selling the other half as a rent to own to the tenant buyer? Here's the problem. You can't sell half of a duplex be, unless you get it rezoned or reclassified as a condo or something like that, right? Depends on your area. If you're mm -hmm. buying it rent to own from the seller, that's cool. And you're living on one side, you can just rent out the other side and that should pay your rent and all of that. But normally, yes, the sales, the option fee is taken off the sales price. Um, and or, depending on how you set it up, the option fee does give the tenant buyer the exclusive rights to the property. So it's not an or, either or, it's a both and. Um, okay, does that make sense? It's a both and question. The, you're welcome, Rotera. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, thanks for showing how to get the ARV. Big help. You're welcome, Julie. Uh, so this is Roosevelt asking, clarifying later, the seller is not one creative finding, it wants all cash. Okay. Um, okay, that's a good question from Roosevelt. For comps, we are never to cross major highways. What about major state roads? Yeah, so you try to stay on, you, you know, stay, try to stay on the side of a major road or a highway for sure. Can we port numbers into RES Simple from CallRail? The answer is yes. 90% um, sure. So, uh, when you get in there, uh, there are some support videos. Send an email to support at jomacall.com. And um, there is a video from FreedomSoft that shows you how to do that. And I'm not 100% sure. I know you can do it from Twilio, 
I think you can do it from CallReel because CallReel uses Twilio. All right. Um, thank you, Will. You're welcome. This is cool. This is Ed. We're talking about Todd Wright, and I'm flying to San Diego in, a, in about – I got to leave in about 10, 15 minutes. And I'm not packed yet, which is normal of me. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to hang out with Todd Toback tonight, good friend of mine. And Ed says, I remember attending your Control of That Ownership Summit that you did with many years ago. And Todd, that was so fun. It was crazy. Okay, Phil, what if the condo has HOAs? You just got to figure that into your offer. Okay, simple as that. I make the tenant buyers pay the HOAs. And I'd only mess with condos in the right places, personally. Yes. Like in Florida, near a beach. Yeah. If a seller is motivated but is currently listed with a realtor, do you wait until the listing is expired or do you bypass the realtor and talk to the seller directly? So you never want to bypass the realtor. You never want to try to tell the seller to cancel the listing with, you know, none of that, right? Um, so if it's listed with a re realtor, and but I found the seller through my own marketing or the seller contacted me, they were average, whatever, uh, I'm going to, then I can talk directly with the seller, but I'm going to tell them you need to send this offer, show this offer to your realtor. Um, and I'll still make an offer to the realtor, um, but it's on my, my, my terms, like my offer. I don't care about the commissions, anything like that. That's between the seller and their realtor to figure out among themselves. Yeah. Or on that, if you do get the seller, especially if you're not licensed like me, you could just say, well, how long have you got with the realtor? If they say, oh, another three weeks, then just say, well, look, if you don't move it, give me a call after three weeks Yeah, and wait it out. So do you budget and negotiation wiggle room on your offer or is that a flat offer? Uh, I think, you know, I, I do try like if my lowest, if I want to offer 86 on a thousand, 86,000 on a property, I might start at 80. So I get some room there. If I'm advertising it for a hundred, um, I might put, build some room in there so I can, yeah, you can, you can do that if you want. What is our cost for a VA? Um, our VAs that are working for us on cold calling, Gavin, what is it an hour? Five, $5 an hour. $5 an hour. Yeah. And they're amazing too, by the way. That's how we, we use Filipino VAs and they're really, really good. Um, yeah. Sanders asking a question about payment plans for my courses and stuff. Um, just send an email to support at jomacall.com and we'll try to work with you on that. Thank you, Chris. Oh, we already showed that. Thanks again. She's in England. That's Ian's wife. Oh, is it really? Yeah. The well, hi, Christine. Started. <laughs> That's how we met. Well, yeah. you just, while well, I'm looking through the comments here, by the way, guys, again, type in the comments, uh, any final questions you have, and uh, let us know what you thought of this stuff. Okay. But tell us how you got started. This is cool. Yeah, so we met in, uh, I was in the US, we were visiting England in Cornwall, sitting in a coffee shop next to Ian and Kirsty. We struck up a conversation um, through my wife that was obviously from America, and Ian's from Ireland, and she thought he was from South Africa. And she was having none of it, so I, of course, interrupted him just to prove the point, and then we struck the conversation off, what do you do, blah, blah, blah. And he said, I see problems, I'm a uh, property investor but I don't see houses and then that's kind of what piqued my interest and uh, and here we are so yeah after mapping all that through from England to the United States that's how then we we met in in Spain yes. and, uh, and here we are today so that's the the fast version of it but pretty pretty amazing 
Because I did. Um, I'm not like one of the guys that was looking for you know to do this, and I've always wanted to get into real estate. It, it was nothing like that for me. You know, it was more the opportunity to work from a phone and a laptop. This is crazy. Um, I forgot about this. Somebody's asking where do you get the calculator and stuff, and uh, I, I I haven't done this in a long time, but you can actually get that calculator and my mind map by texting the word WLO to 313131. And I have a mind map that kind of teaches the basic simple things of um, wholesaling lease options. So if you want that, and in that mind map is the calculator that we did, text the word WLO to 313131. Thank you, Eric 3Frog for reminding me of that. <laughs> Okay, when we contact sellers by text, should we approach with cash offer first or just ask if they would consider a lease option? Um, it depends. Like if it's a lower end property, then I kind of take the cash route. If it's a nicer home and I know it doesn't need work, I might you know, try to ask them what they want lease for cash, but then go the lease option route. What are you going to do if you can't sell this house? Are you going to rent it? Good question, Phil. How would you handle lease options in Texas? First of all, let me say this. You can do lease option assignments in Texas, but you can't do... Um, wholesaling, you can't do sandwich lease options. So you can do lease option assignments. And in the simple lease options course, we teach you how to do them. And we interviewed John Jackson, who's a guy who does a ton of lease options in Texas. And uh, we show you how to get his stuff for free. And um, cool. Lisa, can I do a lease option on a four unit apartment building? Yes. You can't sell it on a lease option, but you can buy it on the lease option, right? And I would try to make sure you get at least four to five to 10 years because then, you know, you need to find a way to cash out or buy the property sometimes within. Steve Terry, I love the questions displayed on the screen. Cool, I do too. Um, okay, if the option fee is made out to an escrow company, then how do we get paid? I'm in Texas, so we can't do um, the. You got to work with an escrow company that knows how to do it. So the escrow company keeps the money for just a few weeks until the tenant buyer moves in, all the paperwork is done, and then they cut you a check. That's how we do it. Um, so we do sandwich lease options, um, and yes, in our local area, if, how do you manage it? Um, some, I just have my assistant help me manage those properties. Really? It's kind of how we do it. Um, okay. Sorry. I can't get that. Ah, this is cool. This is so helpful. I really like the three minute offer challenge. I'm glad you did. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. This has been terrific. You guys are nice. Giving us some good <laughs> feedback. I love it. Wow, this was helpful because we get to see how you would evaluate deals as well. Would also like to see how you would do these deals as a seller finance. I wish we would have had more time to do that. Um, so that's a good point. We'll, maybe we'll do this again if you, guys, if you guys think this is good. True champion coaches. Thank you, Will. Uh, Peter says, this is great. It's a bit overwhelming since I just signed up last night. Totally understand, right? Like we were diving deep into some deep stuff going fast, but, uh, Peter, just take one step at a time. One step at a, don't worry about step seven and eight until you start doing steps one and two. Okay. Just focus on steps one and two. Thank you. Okay. Um, can I just use your VAs? Yes. If you're a coaching client, yes, you can. Lawrence, this is exactly what the doctor ordered. I was on my mission for the day to learn this, and I found it all in one video. Nice. Thanks, Lawrence. Glad you liked it. Good job. Great stuff. Awesome, awesome. New tool in my tool belt. Very helpful. Info overload. So much to learn. Gradually getting it. These webinars help immensely. Uh, 
if we do another one, if we do, then just stay on our email list. Okay. The truth. Boom. Head exploding content. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, Kimberly. Okay. So somebody's asking, can you repeat your last statement regarding speed? Your speed to income is directly proportional to the number of offers that you make. Your speed to income is directly proportional to the numbers, number of offers that you make. Thank you. Become debt free. I love that. Jerry, good info. Very cool. All right. So guys, listen, we got to wrap it up. If you want to work with me and Gavin, I'd love to work with you. We're going to help you get your marketing. <laughs> We're going to get your, that's all right. We're going to get, Gavin's so funny. He's got like two dogs and his fingers is always on that mute button because as soon as they start barking, he's like, <laughs> so marketing automation and delegation. Okay. Those are the three core components of a successful business. And so we're going to help you set up the marketing, the systems and the automation delegation. You're going to use and plug and play our systems in. We're going to give you the VAs. We're going to do the marketing for you. And we're going to coach you through this process as well. We're going to give you a scorecard. We're going to hold you accountable to that as best we can, as much as you allow us to, right? And uh, we're going to hold your hand through these deals. You may already be doing deals. You just want to take it to another level. You may want to do deals virtually. These deals that we're doing in Alabama, Gavin and I never talk to the sellers. We partner with local folks. We build teams and systems around us to do that. I was doing deals while traveling around in an RV in four different states. I've done deals from different countries in Europe, in the United States. So we're just, we just like doing this. This is easy for us. We were coaching people before, and they were always kind of struggling with um, getting this stuff set up. And so we just decided, let's do it for them. I mean, it's so easy. Let's just set up the systems for them. And um, so if you're interested in that, get more information, go to joemccall.com slash apply joemccall.com slash apply. And on there, you're going to find some case study videos as well, where we teach you what we do. And we also interview some of our most successful clients and you can learn what they're doing. You get it straight from their mouth, not necessarily from us. So go to joemccall.com slash apply. Gavin, anything else before we end to this right here? I appreciate everyone's time. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully you yes. got good, uh, good content there, things to go off and you know, start putting it, implement it today. I know it's overwhelming. Just pick one thing that you learn and, uh, and implement it. Good. All right. I got to make like a tree and leave. Safe I'm going to be late. Thanks. We'll see you guys. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.